Welcome to this Glorious Mess, Little Kids, Mamma Mia's podcast for humans with kids under five. My name is Tegan Natoli and I have three, well, they're not under two anymore. They're two, two and one. Crazy. Yep. You have many humans under five. Yeah. One human under five, he is seven months old. Oh my god! I'm not going to cry about that. He's going to be fine. one before you know it. He's at university. Like I swear to God, every five seconds I look at him, I'm like, stop it! I feel like every episode you say how old he is, I go, oh my god! I know it's just parenthood, right? Don't forget, you can also listen to our sibling show, This Glorious Mess, Big Kids, hosted by Andrew Dado and Holly Wainwright, which drops every Friday right here in the same feed. And before we get started on our very exciting topic this week, we want to hear from you and we want to know what you want us to talk about. So please email TGM at Mamma Mia. And we will do our very best to get that topic on this show. Okay, it's time to talk about food. This is my favourite topic for me. (laughs) Yeah, for our own selves. But we're not talking about you and food, darling. We're going to talk about babies and food, little kids and food. So I remember when you were going to start Alexander on solids. I did. You were basically... Having anxiety poos about that for like I was, three months. And also I was like, Nigella Lawson, I went and bought this bloody $250 baby food making machine that I've used twice. Yeah. And then I went and bought organic every vegetable that cost me $7 billion. And yeah. then one bunch of organic broccoli went down into two little bloody things of puree. And I was like, well, I'm broke. <laughs> and how much time did you waste chopping it up? And Oh, my God. Look, I still obviously make him some food at home. I've used pouches. I've used other yeah. like frozen stuff. I'm just making it work. Yeah. But you're ahead of me. Thank God you're ahead of me for basically all of this. Tell me when it gets to the point where I can be just like, here, have a French fry. Yeah. You know, you're so judgy before you're a mum. You're like, oh, my kids will never eat a French fry. You know what? At the moment with toddlers, if they'll eat it, they can have it. And I hate to be... As long as they're not going to choke on it? Yeah. No, as long as they eat it. Because I feel like when they reach toddlers, they get so fussy. And sometimes if all they'll eat... At dinner is an ice cream, which they're meant to have after dinner. You know what? Have your frozen yogurt ice cream because I'd rather you eat that than nothing at I'm all. I'm sure there's some like aphidophilus and bifidus or something. Yeah. In there. <laughs> yeah, it should be fine. Can I say though, surprisingly with the whole mother judgment thing, because other mothers love to judge other mothers, I found judgment around food one of the biggest. So there's two camps and we're going to talk about them with our yeah. experts. There's like more traditional purees when the kids are about four or five months mm. and then there's baby led weaning. And people who do baby led weaning – do not like puree people. And then puree people feel judged by mm. baby led weaning people. And then within the puree camp, there is the do-it-yourself or your pouch queens. Yep. But I feel like I am across all three of those categories. I've done a bit of baby led weaning. I've done a bit of make it at home yourself. I'm so glad you say that because we're doing a bit of both because people are like, oh, you baby led weaning. And I'm like, well, we started with purees and now I give him, like if he's looking at something and I'm eating it and it's okay for him, I'll just yeah. give it to him, watch him closely, let him play put it in his mouth yeah you can do both I keep forgetting how old Banjo is and I still think <laughs> he's just meant to be on soft solids and the other day a friend of mine who's got a son one month younger than Banjo was munching on some corn like a corn on a cob <laughs> I knew he had a heart attack I'm like what do you mean and so what did I do I went home and gave Banjo a corn on a cob didn't I I'm like, oh, did he love it yes yeah oh, I know I think I still think he's four months old I must say for the new mums out there I was dreading the solid stage because bottles are just so easy they have one food group mm. for the first four or five months but it's so delightful and it's so fun to start giving your baby food and then when they start to recognize food when you're eating like it's really it at a beca- point where they're interactive yes it becomes a game and it's almost like an activity that you can fill half your day with as well yeah. 
well. Yeah, and it's also not as time-consuming and messy and, like, mm. it's also really rewarding. I think people get scared of the preparation that's involved or, oh, how am I going to go out if I have to feed him? Well, they do. It works. Yeah. I think my biggest fear was I'm not a cook. I'm terrible. I don't know food as an adult or for babies. I don't cook at home. I wouldn't know what food goes with what anyway. So I think that's what made me the most nervous. I'm like, does chicken go with corn? I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, occasionally I'll do a huge cook-up, make a million containers and put it in the freezer and hopefully that will last a few weeks. Recently. But as you mentioned before... To go to the supermarket, to buy organic fruit, to peel that fruit, to cut that fruit, to steam that fruit, to blend that fruit, to package that fruit. <laughs> you could do the same thing for a dollar fifty in a nice organic pouch from Woolies. So you choose your battles. Yeah. I just think a bit of both, like a bit of everything for all parenting. I'm not down with food judgment mm. for adults or for children. <laughs> What's that you're munching on? Is that a bit of chocolate slice <laughs> I see there, Lee? Do you want to get Maccas for our lunch break? <laughs> My, aren't we fussy tonight? Who's ready for the baby food eating contest? Okay, no broccoli. Okay, so you and I aren't experts in this field and we clearly have no idea what we're doing because we just dabble in a bit of everything. So it's time to get in our guest for this week, who is Karina Savage. She's a paediatric dietitian from Smart Bite Nutrition who aimed to take the stress out of feeding. So Karina, welcome to the show. Now we're going to jump straight into our first question. For the parents that are listening that have babies, when is the general age that babies start solids? The age that babies start solids really varies and I find that unfortunately in Australia there's a bit of a a competition that goes on in some mothers groups and mothers feel that, you know, their child's a bit more advanced if if they're starting solids earlier but this isn't really good for the child to start too young. So our, our recommendations are not before four months and not after six months. So I think it's really important that we're you know, just sending out a message that it's when the child's developmentally ready. And that could be four and a half months. It could be closer to six months. And that's completely fine. And the child needs to be able to hold their head up right unassisted. They need to have, you know, good control of their tongue. And they they really need to be interested in food. So we need to be, I guess, looking for those signs of that child being ready not before four months and not after six months. Right. And do you have any advice for new mums entering that solids world for the first time? Yeah, I think it's about getting the right information because everyone's an expert in nutrition and feeding babies. And even as a paediatric dietitian myself, I had all sorts of information thrown at me from various family members. And so it's about getting the right information and then going at your own child's pace and you know your child better than anyone. There's obviously two camps and as you say, me, I've got my five-month-old, I've experienced very passionate camps. There's either the more traditional puree parents and then there's baby led weaning and they don't seem to like each other. (laughs) Can you talk me through the two different approaches and is it okay for parents to kind of combine them? Absolutely. I think definitely the baby led weaning camp is gaining momentum and there's certainly studies going on now to to try and work out what is better because our national recommendations are still to go down that pureed to mash to finger food approach and that's certainly what mainstream health professionals will still advise. But then the baby-led weaning side of things is 
is gaining momentum and, and New Zealand are doing that study to try to compare, is there going to be a difference in their overall nutrient intake? And, and what the early data is showing is that it's actually probably not going to make a, a huge difference. So I think certainly the baby led weaning approach um, works for some families. For those that don't know, what is baby led weaning? Is it kind of like just handing them a lamb chop? (laughs) Well, effectively, some mothers would. Yeah, so it's about giving the whole food uh, rather than a pureed sort of version, whether that's in one pureed food or a mixture of pureed foods, as we often find with baby foods. But it's certainly, it's giving them like a piece of well-cooked carrot or a piece of well-cooked broccoli. I think it's about making sure that the child can get enough volume. That was another concern of the baby led weaning approach. Are they actually getting enough volume of food? It's about how much that child consumes, but certainly it does work for a lot of families. And I think it's about working out what's right for your family, for your child, but certainly making sure that we are mindful of things like iron-rich foods because we need iron-rich foods to be in our first foods that are given to a child, especially those that are breastfed. I'm so glad you brought that up because I've also found conflicting advice with rice cereal because often the rice cereal uh, is fortified with iron but then some experts say they don't like it some do what are your thoughts on that yeah look uh, again our national recommendations are that we have our first food as an iron rich food it doesn't have to be iron fortified rice cereal that's a very easy way to start getting in iron rich foods because most of them are fortified with iron But it could be an iron-fortified oat cereal. It could be legumes. It could be egg. You know, there's plenty of other foods that contain iron that could be a first food. It doesn't have to be the iron-fortified cereal. There's so many different allergies and intolerances out there at the moment. And for myself, I've got three kids and the twins had no problem with dairy or formula, yet my son has issues with certain types of dairy. What are some of the signs that mums can look out for to recognise these allergies or intolerances? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's a real minefield in that first year of life. And I've certainly researched babies in this category that present with irritability and reflux and colic. And there's this huge overlap in symptoms with babies that actually purely have reflux or babies that purely have a cow's milk protein allergy because they all present with irritability, crying, vomiting. And it's really trying to get to the bottom of what the issue is and in the hospital in the gastroenterology department where we studied these babies we found that these babies 50% of the time improved when we cow's milk protein and soy from their diet and then they got worse again when we put dairy back in and so there's this quite clear-cut indication that dairy protein may lead to reflux and colic in little ones So I think it's a process of elimination with the 0 to 12 month olds with these gut irritability issues. And again, seeking the advice of a specialist in the area is important because I feel that some mums just get a real runaround. I wanted to quickly ask you just a couple of questions on toddlers. Are some toddlers just naturally fussy eaters? Yeah, absolutely. All the research is there and definitely following the tips of what the research says works. It does work over time. I mean, my daughter was incredibly fussy. They do get there over time. But yes, some kids are incredibly fearful of food. They're worried about trying new foods. And 
And it's a tricky one because it's a huge stress for parents and often they're really lost at to what to do. I've had mums just burst into tears in my rooms because they felt like they've lost all control, all ability to get their child to eat. So and what are I your think tips about- for those mums? How do you, you know, yeah, make sure your child's yeah. getting some nutrition? <laughs> yeah, good question. So first of all, I tried to assure them that they're not alone. There's millions of these kids out there and also that it's normal. It's normal for a child to be cautious about food. I mean, I don't know about yourselves, but I didn't like coffee or wine probably the first (laughs) 10 10 times I had it. And children are the same. They need repeated exposure to food. They need to learn about food to know that it's, it's safe. But it's about being really clear with strategies to develop a competent eater in the long run. And we need to start by Right from the get-go, from that six-month period, we need to give them a really good variety of foods and let them get messy with food. That's crucial. And they need to have a really good exposure. So the research shows that those children that have a really wide variety of foods offered to them will eat a greater variety of foods later on. So we just need to make sure that we've got that early exposure of a good variety of foods from six months And then making sure that from about the age of 12 months, we're eating with our children. Mm. So first of all, we need dinners to be without screens and at a table and really with one parent um, at least if possible. One last question, Karina. I mean, we could talk to you forever, but I, as a new mum, am so confused about peanuts and peanut butter. What? (laughs) Is it really that bad? You're not allowed to send sandwiches to school and then you are and then what's the go with that? Mm. Um, That's a really good question and you've just reminded me, I also wanted to make a comment about introducing solids and allergies because with uh, the guidelines now, they have changed. We do not withhold allergenic foods until after one. Now we need to get those allergenic foods in from six to 12 months. So we've got nuts, we've got eggs, we've got fish, we've got wheat and we've got soy. Mm. So all of those foods we need to be getting in before 12 months. And what we do is we give them those foods in small repeated doses. So don't give one sort of hit and then wait for a month and then give another dose of it. Give like a small amount every few days and do it for probably seven exposures and then then you're home and hose. Then after that, there's no reaction. Then that's amazing. Then they can just, you know, keep it in their diet whenever. But, you know, a little bit of peanut butter in sweet potato, for example, or Uh, You could put egg into some mashed vegetables, but small repeated doses of these foods before they hit one is important to reduce their risk of developing an allergy. And then, yeah, the whole nut scenario, I mean, I know at the school where my children go, they're now nut aware, they're not nut free. And I think more schools are moving to be nut aware, but they very clearly say that they prefer you don't bring nuts Mm -hmm. from a Pediatric dietitian's perspective, you know, egg allergy is the most common allergy in Australia, not peanuts. So what I do is I include nuts in my children's after-school snacks. So I put... I put lots of nuts into different things that I bake and I think that's the way to do it. And on the weekends as well, you can include nuts and, you know, throw cashews into stir fries and whatnot as well because nuts are really important in the children. Nuts and legumes are really underestimated, I think, and, and underdone in our kids' daily intakes. You know, our kids are having way too much processed white 
refined carbs mm. and not enough of these um, whole plant foods. So, yeah, it's a tricky one. I think we, at this stage, we probably just need to, yeah, give them the nuts in the afternoon tea snacks and at other times. Oh, Karina, thank you so much. You're obviously such a wealth of knowledge. We've had so much fun chatting to you on the show. Thank you. That's my pleasure. Bye. What the? What the? What the? What the? Parenting? WTF of the week. <laughs> so I've got a funny one. I just remembered actually because it was at the end of last year when I got the twins daycare report. So the, look, they only go once a week because that's all I can afford because <laughs> childcare is so freaking expensive. You've got 80 children. Especially when you've got two in. Your embryo split, you can share your daycare days. So anyway, we got the full report for each twin photos and the description anyway so I'm going through <laughs> I'm like I'm reading Samara's report and Indy really loves building blocks so I'm going through Samara's report and I'm like oh yep there she is reading a book there she's playing in the garden hmm there she is building blocks and I'm like nah Samara doesn't build blocks so I zoom in on the photo <laughs> they'd put photos of Indy oh my god they've mixed up your twins in Samara's report and also her hobby yeah, and they're like, well, her cognitive skills are so fantastic. Oh, my God. I'm like, Samara does not build blocks. She's not one dot interested in construction. <laughs> but then I looked at Indies and, no, they were all her photos. So they didn't put Samara in Indian, Indian, Samara. They literally just happened to take photos of Indian and slot They basically in had Samara. two reports for the one kid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I checked, to, you know, I'm like, I wonder if they're writing the same thing for everyone, but the, the reports were extremely different. But, yes, they – Oh, my God, you need your kids need wristbands. They kindy asked me to do different hair elastics, which you know. So is there blue for one? Well, I just do them different, and then the girls have. But how do they know which one's which? Or do you tell them every morning? No, so the girls since six months old have had a name bracelet on. Oh. So not that you're going to check, but at the beginning of the day, they should be like, okay, Indy's got the yellow elastic oh, in there. Right. Oh my god, that's fascinating. <laughs> but you'd think that if they're doing the end of year report and putting photos in the document, they'd maybe double, double check. <laughs> Oh, my God, that's so funny. Imagine being a twin, though. How cool when they get older and want to do naughty things. Oh, well, like, they are already tricking me. So they both say that their name's Sammy. I'd be like, put your hands up if your name's Sammy. They both put your hands up. And they'd be like, what's your name? And they go, Sammy, what's your name? Sammy, no, you're oh, indie. They're so naughty. They think it's so funny, little shits. It's funny because I'm not their mum. <laughs> yeah. My WTF moment is for a lady on the sidewalk the other day. I may as well have been on Mount Everest, right? This bloody sidewalk, I was trying to get down it. It was so steep and there was that many tree branches that had like come through it. And I've got the pram and Alexander's asleep. I had to go down here because my car was at the bottom of the hill, but I'd gone up another way. So she's walking behind me on the sidewalk. Meanwhile, she could have just stepped onto the road, which is very quiet, and walked on a very smooth road. So I'm like trying to get my sleeping child down Mount Everest. (laughs) I've got about 200 metres to go. Then when I reached my car, I pulled over and she was like, "Um, yes, thank you very much for stopping. I need to get past. And I was like... Oh, my God. Like, she was able-bodied. She wasn't elderly. Like, she could You don't have eyes in the back of your head? Just walk around me. Sorry, prams have right-of-way. I was so... Oh, my God. I was like, my precious child's asleep. I didn't want him to fall out. But otherwise, 200 metres ago, just say, hey, I'm in a hurry. Do you mind if I quickly pop round? I was so cranky. And then it made me just think about accessibility generally because I've, you know, been so lucky in that I'm able-bodied. I've never thought about it. And I was like, what if a wheelchair needed to get down this sidewalk? And I was like, I'm emailing the council. And I got all righteous and then I got home and forgot. <laughs> 
I, you know, what? did you say anything to the lady in no, that I time? I was shocked. I was just like, yes. Oh. And then when she'd walked too far past, I wanted to say, I didn't pull over for you. I'm just at my car. But remember my Harvey Norman lady story yes. in one of the previous episodes? When you were pram abused, yes. you take it very personally. I was just like, my precious, delightful child is in here <laughs> and I will take as long as I need. <laughs> Anyway, I hope she listens. I'm sure she doesn't because it seems like she hates children. Oh, well. <laughs> good luck to her. Yeah, good luck. I hope she trips on that rockily. Me broccoli, too. I hope word. she stubbed her toe. <laughs> please join us next week if you're enjoying the show. And if you are, please head to your podcast app and give us a little rating, a nice sentence. Say, hey, these guys are great. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Bye.